surprise. Treading water that they drown. My head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to episode 172 of the Smash Accept podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at DynastyDadFF. We got a great show tonight. We're going to talk about, you know, secondary wide receivers and passing options. And we have a, a fantastic guest. I'm super excited to announce it. Before we do that, John, how you been, man? Like this is back-to-back weeks. Excited to have you back. And there's so much going on with camp. And every time you look, you see a new new receiver popping up. You see, you know, crazy acrobatic catches and it's hard to fade some of that noise but it's super exciting yeah this is such a fun time of year and we're gonna have football back on my tv here i think starting tomorrow and we are absolutely in the presence of greatness here i have a ton of respect for our guest here tonight (laughs) looking forward to learning a lot from him and about this upcoming season so yeah let's get into it yeah without further ado you know that this guy is someone that i know you and i both when we first started playing fantasy football saw him all the time on espn an eight-year vet there launched his own podcast over at harris fantasy uh fantasy football podcast someone that's just an absolute honor and privilege to talk to welcome to the show christopher harris how you doing I'm great. Thank you for having me. And I have to say, he- hearing from people, uh, if I'm lucky enough to be a guest on shows that I grew up watching you, th- that's really nice. And then it also makes you feel old, but you oh, know, it's we, okay. I, <laughs> we tried to say it a nice way. We didn't say we grew up. It's like when we first started playing, because I mean, you're a similar age as us, but man, like we, this is such an honor because it is oh, that. Thanks. I mean, we saw you on ESPN and it was like, I, I yeah. you know, interacted on Twitter and it's just like, you know, when, once you start moving up and, and start doing things like we are at Smash Except, to have you on the show is an absolute honor. We thank you so much. Indeed. I mean, it's not that much. Believe me, by the end of this, nobody watching is going to think it was that much of an honor, but I'll do my best. So <laughs> for, for those not, you know, super familiar with your work, you know, I know over at Harris Fantasy Football, you know, you talk about things that you're not so much a film guy, but you just love watching football. Talk to me a little bit about the process and what what's different from your podcast as opposed to some of the others that are out there. I mean, I am the film guy. That's that's I'm sort of known as the film guy. I right. watch every game. Yeah. Sorry, analytics. Uh, Sorry. You, yeah. Totally. Right. I'm not as much a stats that. guy. Right. Right. Yeah. Fair. Um, yeah. I think. I mean, I'm I'm one of. The, I think I'm the only one who's crazy enough to watch every single game by like Tuesday morning, and talk about it on my Love show. It. That's really what it comes down to. And uh, like those Monday and Tuesday in season podcasts are. Very, very, very popular. They've gotten really, really big. I mean, the whole show's gotten big. I don't know how, but um, like the difference I think is that people know at least that my opinion is mine. I'm not falling back on metrics that do a pretty good job of, of, of explaining what just happened, but often don't really do a great job of saying what's going to happen. Um, I'm, I'm usually, my opinions are hard. Everybody knows that they're, they're hard one. You know, they're, they're hard to come by. Um, they're not always right, but at least, you know, I watched the film. I love it. And I think, you know, you've been doing this for quite some time. I mean, what's the biggest change over the years? What's how have you stayed relevant with that? Because there's so many people I know they talk about the old school way of doing things. And when I when I watch and and listen to you, it's just it's always fresh. I don't know. Um, Well, as far as what old school even is, I I don't know. I'll say there's just so much more noise. There's so Mm -hmm. many more people Mm -hmm. doing it or trying to do it. And um 
on, on the one hand, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I'm, I don't want to bash anybody who's trying to cover the NFL or cover fantasy football because everybody works hard. Uh, there, there's a little too much received wisdom at times, a little mm -hmm. too much. I mean, you said it like fading the noise, right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, moment by moment analysis of, Oh, that guy went seven of 12 in his first practice at training camp. Let's move him up eight spots, you know, whatever. Uh, there's just sort of a lot yeah. of um, kind of like trying to be the prime mover on things. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I, I also now, I, I probably would have said that five years ago too. I feel like it's bending back the other way in a little, in a favorable direction. I think there's more and more voices now who understand that that what I just said becomes the main thing that everybody hears. Mm -hmm. And then they can kind of pivot away from that and talk about what they saw on film. And I mean, I, you know, pro football focus has been doing grades forever, but like, those are film grades. Those aren't mm -hmm. metrics. Those are people sitting and watching film and mm -hmm. those are becoming more accepted. So I'm actually pretty pleased and like heartened with the direction things have taken. There's a lot of noise and a lot of stuff to ignore, but I also think there's more people kind of trying to uh, differentiate themselves in a, in, in a more like let's uh, let's actually observe the game sort of way yeah and john and i were already talking about you know like right now you see on twitter guys make highlight catches and it's like you know people want to move around their ranks i know you and i were talking a little <laughs> bit about buzz here you know like not overreacting it's august 2nd you know it's a matter of like <laughs> What we teach a lot at Smash Accept is really, you know, we're buying low and selling high. And now you have a lot of opportunities for sell high windows of positive camp news. You know, guys that you've been trying to unload because they're, you know, they're they're flashing a little bit in camp. And how do you how do you decide when to make those changes? Because a lot of people are really overreacting for camp news. And like you said before, I mean, it's August 2nd. We, we don't need to make any kind of rash judgments. Um, I, I, you know, from if I put my dynasty cap on, uh, this is an awesome time to sell. This is the, right. probably the best, the first week <laughs> of camp is the best yeah. time to sell. No doubt. And it's yeah. not, you know, you're not going to get to sell, uh, a third string rookie for Christian McCaffrey, you know, like it's not going to be that level of, uh, but I think eternally the people who are, who get kind of as, as the folks who are watching us now and who are, who listen, uh, they're, they're, we're all in the weeds, you know, all of us, we know every, the rosters, we know everybody. We, um, I think in the dynasty world, there tends to be a, a, a devaluing of anybody who's like 27 <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah, older. Yeah. And it's, I think this is the time where uh, you absolutely can take some, some maybe guy, some fourth receiver, some third running back who's just done a couple of nice things in camp and get someone that, you know, the dynasty world, like, says no to you know like mm -hmm. i'll take i'll take a year of tyler lockett if it costs me nothing even though no i mean tyler lockett a dynasty is nearing the end no question about it but uh i want to win this year too and right. so it's a great time to sell youth that you don't necessarily believe in for veterans who you who have proven track records and certainly don't have like five years in the league to go but can win you a title now or maybe next year yeah, and we talk about it being a cyclical thing. I mean, you know, where rookie fever hits and everybody's trying to sell the vets. Now we're getting closer to the season, so people want those vets. And Tyler Lockett's right. a perfect example. I mean, back-to-back -back wide receiver 13 seasons, and he's just going at an absolute discount. Today's show, what we want to talk about is we want to talk about – we have a lot of guys in the Patreon, a lot of guys asking. They're like, Dad, John, you know, like there are wide receiver twos on, the, on certain teams, and I really want to, you know, invest in each team's wide receiver one. I mean, the – 
the NFL has changed over the years. You have teams that are really able to promote those. And the first guy I want to talk about is Devonta Smith. I mean, Devonta Smith, I know you have right now, what for this season as your wide receiver 10 in dynasty, we have him as our wide receiver 12, just a phenomenal wide receiver, 95 receptions last year. He was 1196 yards ninth. I mean, this is a guy who we haven't quite hit his ceiling yet. And a lot of people are, you know, starting to talk. How close is AJ Brown to Devonta Smith? How high should we have him in 2023? Talk to me a little bit. I mean, everybody loves Devonta Smith, but how close really is he to AJ Brown? I think they week by week can obviously outperform each other. We saw it last year. Um, the Eagles got a dream ride last season. And they're not going to get a dream ride again. It's just it's not the way the NFL works. And so right. probably we have them too high. But it's hard to find other players that you want to take over them because you've seen when they get the sun run, you, you know, you've seen how good it can be for both of them. Um, they're very different kinds of receivers. And that's useful. I, it's useful to know that they complement each other, that they're really not competitors for the same kinds of targets. AJ Brown is a monster in the middle of the field. He's a great route runner himself, but a particular kind, you know, kind of a one cut guy and then a mm -hmm. steamroller after the catch. And Devontae Smith's much more that classic X, the classic outside, um, you know, open in a phone booth. Very, very, very quick. Like, not surprised at all now in retrospect that he won the Heisman, you know, that, that he just was an awesome college player. I'm not really a college scout. I rely on my friends who come on the show who watch college football. I just only have so much bandwidth, you know? So when a player like Devonte Smith comes into the league with a lot of hype, I'm like, all right, you know, the first year I'm probably not going to be at the top of the market on him, but I'm, I'm interested. And then, you know, year one was what it was. And then with, with Jalen hurts last year, like he was, he was absolutely as billed. So I think they're both wide receiver ones in redraft. And I think, yeah, there's a great argument that Devonta Smith is like a borderline wide receiver one for dynasty for a long time. John, and like I said, they've been asking a lot on that. I mean, how do you differentiate between, you know, we have people that in, in dynasty right now, I mean, he's going in that 402 range or 311 to 402 range with same area as Cooper cup, Jackson Smith and Jigba T Higgins, Tyreek Hill. So how do you, you know, differentiate between, okay, he's the wide receiver two on his team but what does that actually mean with an offense that's elite like Philadelphia? Yeah, you really, I think, kind of come back to what Chris said. You really do need to watch the film. And, you know, Chris, we actually have some of the same guys come on our show to tell us about the college landscape. And I listened to you, for example, with Matt Waldman. We love having Matt yeah. on uh, to break it down for us. And so we take a lot of those inputs in uh, for those rookie seasons. So you can kind of try to project out what they're going to be. But the, the advantage we have with Devonta Smith is we have seen it already. And I did watch a lot of his film in his rookie year. He did look good. I mean, the Slim Reaper, he's just a different kind of player. But we're, all, we're also looking on just the overall target share, the uh, yards per route run, some of the, the stats as well that you can kind of look at and um, divide uh, up what we think the offense is going to look like this coming year. So we're looking at a lot of the production coming in. And again, to Chris's point, I think it's very important that you can also, just apply what changes you think are going to happen to that team. But I think Arrow is definitely still pointing up. We think both these guys, I totally agree, are wide receiver ones um, in, in terms of top 12 wide receivers for this, this season. And I, if I can segue into another one, Cincinnati Bengals, for me, are another example of where I, I would consider their wide receiver one and two to potentially both be top 12 wide receivers. So, Chris, talk to me about – T Higgins a little bit. Sure. I, I've always loved T. I, I think you're pretty high on him as well, but 
you know, what do you think about Cincinnati this year? Kind of some of the changes they made. What's your outlook on T Higgins? I buy all Bengals. Joe, Joe Burrow's like mm-hmm. got his leg amputated. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, assuming that's all going to yeah, right, right. be water under the bridge at some point. Um, it's interesting. I think those two Higgins and Jamar Chase are maybe a little less perfectly matched, a little less perfectly complementary. There's a little more similarity to what they do. They are both kind of classic outside. They both can play in the slot. They're both really, really good players. Uh, this year, it's the same kind of thing. Like, I understand why folks ask the question, are you really expecting me to treat a Devontae yeah. Smith or a T Higgins as a fantasy wide receiver one when their own team doesn't exactly. even consider them? Like, yeah. where, where are my, where, you know, where are all these targets going to come from? Mm-hmm. And I say this a lot on the show, but the way the NFL has changed most in the time that I've been doing this is the extent to which touches are no longer guaranteed to basically anybody. So yeah, right. the argument that you're going to make that like a receiver room is too crowded or a backfield is too crowded. Usually when I'm going to compare the second fiddle in those situations and I'm going to compare them to the other players that I could take at the same spot. Well, I can find just as many concerns about volume with, with almost anybody in the dang league, you know? Right. Um, So I just go, give me great players Mm -hmm. and with great receivers, with great quarterbacks, with Mm -hmm. proven track records. I think, you know, there's a there's an X percent chance Chase gets hurt and then Higgins is a one. There's an X percent yeah. chance that, you know, Tyler Boyd gets hurt and then then everybody eats. That has to be factored in. And then the fact is, I just saw it work. So, I, you know, generally speaking, um, rely on people like the three of us to tell you who the really, really good players are. And don't worry so much about your projections. Don't worry about, well, gosh, there's only you know, 420 receiver targets to go along. And if I'm going to split them and Boyd's going to get this many, well, how can Mm -hmm. I justify, like, I just don't think that's a great way to play myself. I think you wind up missing Mm -hmm. out on this topic. I think you wind up missing out on great second receivers. Bet on talent, right? Yeah. Yeah. T Higgins is an interesting one right now because, you know, I put it out there where I was ranking, put out my rankings and, you know, I see you have Devonta at 10 and T Higgins at 11. And I had them in the same tier for dynasty as well. And I feel like a lot of the community doesn't quite line up with that, which is quite interesting to me because if you look at what T Higgins has done in in back-to-back seasons, I mean, it is incredibly, it's fantastic. And it's, very consistent. I mean, 74 catches in both seasons, 110 versus 109 targets, 14.7 to 13.9 yards per reception, both seasons over a thousand yards, both, you know, over six touchdowns. I mean, this is someone that, you know, look, we're looking into a contract year and, you know, Chris, if he goes somewhere else, I mean, this is the ultimate buy, right? Because if he stays in Cincinnati, he gets no Joe Burrow and he plays opposite Jamar Chase, he goes somewhere else. And there's a potential where he gets into that that alpha position where this is a wide receiver, I believe is, is talented enough to do, to be a true alpha very much. So like Devonta Smith. Yeah. I mean, I think though that you just answered, asked an answer to some degree because dynasty players don't like uncertainty. What if he goes to yeah. Atlanta and Desmond Ritter is still the <laughs> quarterback? What mm-hmm. if he goes to Washington and Sam Howell is still the quarterback? Great. You know, like I think probably there's some, freak out in there in that value in that dynasty valuation about mm-hmm. a bad landing spot relative to Joe Burrow. And that's, and I, and yet I'm not agreeing with that take. I'm agreeing with your take, which, which is to say T Higgins, if that's true in your league, T Higgins is being undervalued. That's a buy. 
Yeah, let's go right over some on. dynasty trades because I, I I pulled up. I love bulletproof.com. If you guys aren't on that, check it out. It has all the latest sleeper trades in there. So we're gonna rattle off a couple trades and see how you you know how you think these go. The first one, side one, is T Higgins. Chris, the other one is Najee Harris. No relation, I'm not sure. And a 24 <laughs> second. So Najee at a 24 second says mid 24 second for T Higgins. It's Najee and a second round rookie pick for T Higgins. Yes. Uh, take Higgins. Yeah. I, I'm not a long-term bullish play person on Najee Harris. I, he came into the league with, you know, I, I was being promised that finally, finally, here was the Alabama running back that, you know, unlike a lot of the other guys who were, who were excelling in college because they were behind a great line because they had the greatest, greatest talent. This was the dude who was actually the best player on his team. And I was excited. And through two years, I just don't. Yeah. I don't think he's, I don't, I think he's fine. He's not bad, but he's just like a big physical guy. You know, I don't think he's a lot better than Damian Pierce. I don't think he's a lot better than Javante Williams. If Williams's knee is the way it was, he's that kind of player. Um, and so T Higgins, I think is like, he's a 10 year fantasy starter, I, I think. And I'm not that worried about the landing spot and, you know, you second round rookie draft picks matter, but you know, they're kind of lottery tickets already. So I, I would do that in a heartbeat. Absolutely love it. And John, dare I say that is actually an absolute smash except there. You know, we were we were setting it up there. I mean, I love sorry, I love smash Najee it. Harris. No, 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 you're right <laughs> on, buddy. I was just trying to get Chris catches on quick. Yeah, it's a smash. <laughs> yeah, let's let's do another one here. DJ Moore, who you know, a lot of guys are really asking, is he the next AJ Brown in that situation where he's going and now he's getting paired up, gets the best quarterback of his career, and, and Kendra Miller. So two for one, DJ Moore, Kendra Miller for T. Higgins, Chris. Um, I wish I had a firmer grasp on Kendra Miller. He's not, you know, I'm just not mm -hmm. again, a, a rookie guy. Uh, once I see him play, I'll have a much stronger take on it. Um, mm -hmm. my understanding for him as a prospect was, you know, there's, there's injury concerns that kind of have haunted him forever and mm -hmm. he might not have a long NFL career, but who knows? Like sometimes they come into the league and they're just fine. Um, it, it doesn't strike me. There's a super, super, super elite prospect. And in Dynasty, I would rather have Higgins than more. I might say except, but I probably wouldn't smash it. <laughs> I like it. No, yeah, there's, there's some variations of it. I love it. Yeah, I think, how, I think it's, how high? Yeah. I mean, you have DJ Moore at wide receiver, what, 19 on your in your rankings. And I think, you know, we, we've seen him in the past be a fringe wide receiver one. Now he goes to Chicago, but it's not a huge passing volume offense. So how excited should we be for DJ Moore? I mean, I love the player. I, yeah. I love that he's getting an opportunity to get out of Carolina. And I think he's someone that, you know, has been a value in that late fifth round of, of dynasty startups, but how excited are you for DJ Moore this year? Well, very excited to see if it works because he's a favorite player of mine. He's a fantastic on my show. I call him the little badass. People have written songs <laughs> like about, about DJ Moore. I um, love that being too. Yeah. The little badass. Um, <laughs> he, he's a tough dude. He's, he's fast. He's excellent. He's just an excellent player. Uh, and, and, you know, again, the volume argument, which they're not making, but that's where the worry comes in. Like, I'm not so callow as to say, you know, landing spot doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what team you're on. If you're good, that's your rank. Like, of course, if DJ Moore had landed, you know, with uh, Pat Mahomes, I would have him higher than I have him right now. Like, that's, you know, that's the truth. But I also, I, I, what I'm trying to do in my assessments is weigh situation as little as I possibly can, which is not nothing but as little as I possibly can. Cause in this 
day and age, there's plenty of volume for everybody. There are no teams that run as much as they pass anymore. Mm -hmm. Like the bears are going to pass more than they run. It might not be the ratio you want where it's 80, 20 pass, but there's plenty of targets there for him. There are questions about Justin Fields. He's got to get better. I'm excited because what I saw, I did some film study on fields just like a few weeks ago. And I felt like the things he was doing well are actually the things that are hard to teach. And Mm -hmm. the mechanical things that he was doing poorly are much easier to correct. So I have some hope that we're going to see a passing leap here from fields. And obviously if that happens, then even in the top 20, we're probably undervaluing more. Um, And, and again, volume wise, like everybody who's got a doubt about DJ Moore, just list off the other receivers ranked within five of him in either direction and tell me who you don't have volume concerns about. Like that's just the NFL now. Yeah, no, I, I like that a lot. And I like like the, the takes there on Justin Fields because we've been big on him. I mean, QB7 last year, and now all of a sudden, you know, a lot of people, are, they, they go with the narrative, and they had the narrative before on Jalen Hurts. Oh, yeah, he can't pass. He's more of a running quarterback, you know, and we've had it before with so many different guys, and it's like, did you, did you watch him at Ohio State? Like, it wasn't all running. It was a great-looking passer. Uh, we're going to move into a, kind of a fun segment here, and we want you to kind of elaborate it. We call it smash or pass. Uh, so right. it's just – we're going to give you a question. If you if you agree with it, it's a smash. If you don't like it, it's a pass. And the first one, really, there's two separate questions. They both are tailored around the Seattle situation. So, you know, obviously Seattle takes Jackson Smith and Jigbo, who we absolutely love. You know, he's our wide receiver one here at Smash Except. And a lot of people are trying to figure out what to do with that situation. We already alluded to Tyler Lockett. You know, DK Metcalf's already been you know, an, an alpha in this league. So the first question from Corey P says, now that, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba is in town, will DK Metcalf, is he a hold or sell in dynasty? The smasher pass question, and I'll, I'll answer that part, but the smasher pass says that DK Metcalf will lose his wide receiver one role in Seattle by midseason. Smasher oh, no, pass. Pa- pass. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I don't agree. All right. And then on the on the flip side there, you know, where, where people are asking, do you think, and they said this on the same way that Jackson Smith and Jigma moves up to number two on the depth chart above Tyler Lockett. So smash a pass there. Oh, that's a lot closer. Um, I'm not ranking them that way right now. So I guess I have to say pass, but that's the one that wouldn't surprise me. There's, it seems to me there's some overlap there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smith and the Jigma. I mean, listen, uh, Tyler Lockett can play anywhere. Clearly he can play anywhere. It makes plays in the outside. He's not, doesn't have the deep speed, quite the deep speed he used to have. Um, mm-hmm. And I am of the mindset of if if anybody suffers for JSN's presence, it's likelier to be Lockett than Metcalf. I could be wrong, but that's where I sit. I'm going to pass on both of them and assume that JSN is a very good, like a burst kind of number three receiver on his team. And then we get a change next year. Yeah. And if, if anything, I mean, it's, it's huge for Geno Smith. Geno Smith was a quite the story from last year. You know, not many people, mm-hmm. you know, buying in on Geno Smith. How close do you have, you know, do you have Geno inside your top 12 for this year? Cause there's a lot of guys in dynasty. It, it no. feels a little bit different. You know, he's a guy that we keep talking about that, you know, you can buy on the cheap and you can kind yeah. of work yourself in there. Are you believing it that Geno Smith can replicate what he did last year as the I guess you know, QB five in some formats? Right. Right. I guess I'm not, I'm reckoning I'm 20 right now. I'm, okay. I'm a little, I'm a little hesitant to make one year be a reason to have, mm-hmm. to have an out. Like it feels like an outlier right, right now. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think I watched anything that I thought was like lucky or anything, but 
I think, you know, he was, he had a different, totally different environment around him. He had a totally amount, different amount of pressure on him, different expectations. And he himself, I've seen him be a bad quarterback for a lot of years. Maybe it's all fixed and maybe I'm missing the boat, but it's one that I'm letting. Um, it's like, it's the, it's like the three O count that I'm letting go by. And if it's a strike, I'm willing to take the strike, you know? Makes sense. John, you're up. Yeah. So um, I was going to shift over and talk a little about the San Francisco 49ers here and sure. get your thoughts on that situation. So in this case, we have you know, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. I, you know, from what I've looked at uh, when the defense is playing San Francisco in zone, it feels like Debo is, is a better fit for what Shanahan wants to do. And he seems to get a lot of the love, but when they move uh, to man, uh, Brandon Ayuk often could be that guy. And it's been really fun to watch the progression of Ayuk. Shanahan was just, talking a little bit about him and how he's really just almost like obsessed with the game now, if you saw that press conference, but um, let me, let me form it in a smasher pass form here for you. Can Brandon Ayuk pass Debo Samuel as the, the top wide receiver in San Francisco smasher pass? I mean, the operative verb there is can that's the, that's the op that's the, I'm going to do will. How about will? Right. Cause that's, then I have to be more decisive because okay. can, yeah. of, yes. I mean, can is a smash <laughs> will. Um, I'm going to say in a PPR, I'm smashing it. Okay. And if I was in standard, I'd probably stick with Debo because mm -hmm. if he stays healthy, huge if with this guy. Um, but yeah. if he stays healthy, he just has so many other ways to help and get carries and, you know, rushing touchdowns, stuff like that. If I were the 49ers and now they have Christian McCaffrey, I would try to, to, to keep, Debo healthier by maybe not doing as much of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and and yeah. I think maybe him getting hurt is directly related to taking so many running back type hits. So, so I would maybe, you know, the, the dude who I think looks better when he's actually playing receiver is Ayuk. I think he's an yeah. elite. He mm -hmm. runs the best dig route in the league. It I is think. amazing to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And what, he's, he's, go ahead. I was just going to ask a follow up there. Like what, what is yeah. your current view on the QB situation? Uh, I know it's a little murky still, but yeah. what's your, what's your thought? So uh, that's a fantastic question. And I probably would have had a different answer like three days ago. I just, <laughs> right, did, yeah. I just did Brock Purdy uh, film mm -hmm. on my podcast. Okay. And I kind of went into the film being like, who's this eh. jerk? I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to wail on this guy. This was lucky. And I came out of the film going, I'm not going to call him amazing. I do feel, I still think he's a system quarterback, but mm -hmm. it's the predominant system in the NFL right now. Yeah. And he executed executed it at a very high level, albeit okay. for a small window, yeah. and was not the check down Charlie that I was calling him on the show all through December when I was like <laughs> trying to dismiss it because I just my my little mind palace worldview was being messed with that this guy was coming in and being so good. So I guess I was defensive. I thought he was pretty damn aggressive. There are times where his mechanics stunk and he got himself in trouble. He's mm -hmm. a pretty good athlete and probably runs around too much, you know, probably needs to not try to extend play so much. He's going to take bad hits and he's going to, he sometimes he's always going to throw off balance a little bit, but sometimes he got himself in trouble throwing off balance. Yeah. Um, like I came away feeling like I have Purdy right ahead of Geno Smith now for this okay. year. Yeah. And I didn't expect to. So, um, you know, we, nice. I, the elbow is a big, the big level yeah. factor. Like we have to find out more right. over the course of camp and he has downward right. mobility in ranks, but yeah, I, I, I bought in a lot more than I did last week. <laughs> okay. Right on. I'm Thanks excited to insight. hear that because that's one where mm -hmm. in Dynasty, Trey Lance has just been someone that's everyone's darling. I've never seen so many apologists for Trey Lance yeah. 
as you know, and he, he didn't maybe didn't get the best option, but Brock Purdy did look good. This is one where all all season we've been saying sell Lance for Purdy plus, and pretty soon that window is going to close. You know, and we're going to get to the point where we're going to get into the season. I don't feel like I've ever seen enough Trey Lance to even know what he is. But right. one thing I know is the 49ers have. And like Lance did not come in and immediately do what Purdy came in and immediately did. Mm-hmm. Does that mean for, that we're positive that Purdy is a better player than Lance will ever be? No, we can't be positive. They're too young right. as players. Right. I mean, quarterbacks really change. Jalen Hurts, you know, is the leading example. Like they can just, the light switch can just go on. Um, but yeah, I, I, I assumed at the end of last year, this was Trey Lance's job. He'll get healthy. He's the better athlete. He'll figure it out. And I now don't think that I haven't watched the film back. I don't think that's how the Niners are going to go. All right. Next one. This is from Glennie from the Patreon. He said, we're looking at, at Jerry Judy this year at the way he finished over the final five weeks as a wide receiver one after Hackett was fired. Now we have a situation with Sean Payton is Jerry Judy in this new Broncos offense a wide receiver one smash or pass i'm passing uh, i'm not so sure um i sure i i trust sean payton a lot more than i trust the old guy who he scooped crap on his grave after he was gone um but like uh i'm not blaming nathaniel hackett fully for russell wilson mm-hmm. i have enough questions about wilson's season i don't think wilson's necessarily done but i have enough questions that i wouldn't rank any Bronco receiver anywhere close to the top. Um, again, there's a difference in philosophy. If you're going to rank strictly by projections, you're going to go, well, somebody's got to get targets there. Somebody's getting 120. And if it's Jerry Judy, then how's he not the wide receiver eight or whatever? And okay, but I just saw it. You know, I just saw it not work out at all. If the offense doesn't score, if the offense can't move, if Wilson's playing as bad as he did last year, uh, yeah, you're, you, you just saw lots and lots of bad play from Broncos receiver bad results from Broncos receivers uh of the group there I like Judy most but no I'm passing on that big time yeah and this is a situation where the the actual talent is phenomenal they have route running ability he's always at the top of the league yards per separation per route and just you you hope that it works out but this it might not be the year I love Jerry Judy for this year but I think I'm believing a narrative where Russell Wilson you know turns mm-hmm. back to what he used to be. And that's that's what we do a lot this time of year, right? We like we try to tell yeah. ourselves a narrative to believe in a player and we kind of move into those right areas. And, you know, you're right, because Russell Wilson looked washed, you know, and then we see a small <laughs> sample size when he's done. And then, you know, you kind of move back to that way. John, I know you got a, we got a lot of young wide receivers. We really wanted to get, you know, some ideas of, of those situations. What's the next smash or pass you have for us? Well, Chris, I, I don't know if you're going to throw anything in there again on Denver before we move on. Oh, no. I mean, just the Wilson thing. Like, I'm not totally sold he's washed, but yeah, I have have enough questions. And I mean, for someone who gets as open as Judy does, why doesn't he do more with it? I just, you know, it feels feels like there's a piece on film so far for me. It feels like that there's been a piece missing, even though you're right. The numbers say that he runs great routes. But, you know, compared to other guys who who run great routes, I just don't feel like Judy is consistently produced but anyway i digress yeah okay well we were going to transition i wanted to hear your takes on the baltimore ravens offense we get a lot of questions sure. on this right because you got todd monken coming in i think a lot yeah. of people are really excited to see what he could do there a lot of people are pumped about lamar jackson in that particular offense but if you look at the wide receivers here i'll put it this way smash or pass any baltimore ravens wide receiver will finish in the top 24 for this season 
I guess since I don't have them ranked there, I have to pass. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, you know, ranks aren't necessarily a predicted order of finish, right? Ranks are trying yeah. to account for right. upside and mm-hmm. also in the Ravens guys case downside, you know, you know, you, you are, it's everybody who's ever done a fantasy draft dynasty or other, otherwise has had that feeling of like, man, if everything went right, I really think this guy could, could be a great value for where I can get him. But, oh my God, I understand where I'm getting him because the floor is he's out of the league, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's, that would describe Odell Beckham clearly that would describe him. And it, I don't think Zay flowers will be out of the league, but like it could, he could easily just have, we could look back on a good career as having had a red shirt year. Cause he just wasn't ready. So it's tough for me to draft them anywhere near to the top 24 doesn't yeah. necessarily mean I'm not predicting that they finish there, but in this case, I think I'm going to probably predict that they're not going to finish there. A lot of yeah. things have to go right, but like mm-hmm. I'm a big, big believer in Lamar. So a lot of things right. can go right. I would love to get to week three and feel like Zay is just absolutely as good as advertised man. He's like Tyreek light, you know, and, and everybody who was really into him, Brett Coleman came on my show and just raved about Zay flowers. Like, mm-hmm. I would love for that to turn up to be the case. I, I would be glad to be wrong. I'll, I'll put it this way. I'm, 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 I'm not smashing. I won't smash, but yeah. I will say, uh, I think Zay is the one who has the chance to do it. I, you know, he has okay. to be ready, but from what I understand, he's the one I, he's the one I would trust the most to do. I mean, Rashad Bateman's foot still hurts. So. Yeah. I'm, and by the way, I'm with you on that. I, and I'm very hopeful of Zay flowers. I do think by the season's end, he'll be viewed as the top wide receiver there. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that from you. Uh, at least kind of optimistic you can get there. And I have to ask you too, like where do you have Lamar um, in, in this offense for 2023 or roughly? Uh, good question. Where do I have him? I have him five among quarterbacks. Okay. Nice. Um, yeah, that's about, which, that's about what I think makes sense. Yeah, which of course is largely – I mean, I have Justin Fields six. So like I, I, there's, there's running that's yeah. involved in this. The difference is mm-hmm. – I mean, I'm not taking Lamar five or Fields six – if I think it's only running like Lamar has already Lamar's been an MVP. Lamar's proved that he can throw in this league fields kind of hasn't. I'm kind of projecting a, a jump for fields throwing ability. If he doesn't do it, I don't think he lives up to six because let's face it. Fantasy totals for quarterbacks. Sure. They can get super informed by the big, the big running days. Oh my God, he went ran for hundred yards. He won me my week that, and, and those are awesome, but man, it's mm-hmm. hard to, it's hard to live the, the week he goes yeah. you know, 11 for 30 for 130 yards and two interceptions and the running right. didn't really be that week. That's but, but yeah, that was well said. about saying no, Lamar. thanks. That's good. I like it. You mentioned Odell Beckham. So we're talking about another, you know, aging wide receiver from, from that area. We're looking at Michael Thomas, you know, if this was 2019, we'd be talking about, you know, number one overall, but now we're, we're saying, can Michael Thomas, who, you know, we've, we've loved, we always keep thinking, Oh, he's going to be back. He's going to be back. <laughs> Smash or pass Michael Thomas having a minor resurgence back to 70 receptions this year. I'll smash. It's we know it's just about health, you know, mm-hmm. like it's mm-hmm. entirely does do his ankles work. Does his foot work? You know, all the, it may be just, it'll never happen, but I'll choose to be, I mean, in the end, nobody can sit on our show right now and tell us that we're positive one way or the other about Michael Thomas's health, like pretty bad track record here the last few years. Um, Sure. I'll, I, I could see taking him in the top 40 receivers in a draft. I'm okay doing that because there's some subset of all the expected, the range of outcomes in, where he goes and catches another hundred balls. Cause if he's at his peak, like he probably could still do that. He looked awesome 
for a game and a half before he got hurt last year. You know, I think <laughs> yeah. there's still some ability sitting in there. And and like last year's injury wasn't really related to the surgery before. And it's it's very frustrating. Of course, the likeliest scenario is that he just middles. But, you know, at number 40, the likeliest scenario for every receiver is that they just middle. That's why they're number 40. So uh, I'm going to smash it. I'm going to be an optimist. There you go. I like that. I yes. like that. Hey, since we were talking about that, I mean, we might as well. We, you can't really talk about, you know, Odell Beckham and Michael Thomas without talking about DeAndre Hopkins. You know, and DeAndre Hopkins goes to Tennessee now. How high do you feel like is we're going to go smash or pass? DeAndre Hopkins remains a wide receiver one in 2023. Uh, I wish you were going to say two. Right? I know. Like, it's it's fringe, yeah. right? You feel like, you know, if I said 18, that would be easy. If you said he was, like, in that top. But let's, let's yeah. talk about the Tennessee situation. I mean, this is a, a team that hasn't passed very much, you know, passing volume in the past. John and I think it's huge for Derrick Henry. But what kind of – what should we be expecting DeAndre Hopkins in 2023? So, uh, no, somebody else who I did, did film work on the show last week, week before, they were all blending together now, and uh, just watched the Arizona film from last – year and has he ever been a deep threat like yeah i think more than more than now he's more of a two two level receiver now even when he mm -hmm. puts a good move on somebody and tries to get to the third level he's not usually doing it um yeah. i think it's a misnomer to say that he's always been this you know i'm covered all the time and i'm covered and just throw me the ball i mean obviously he has unbelievable hands he continued to have unbelievable hands last year um but i think it's wrong he gets open he he's always gotten open he got open last year uh in breaking routes, still fantastic. Uh, big guy still can take a hit. I think uh, if there's a concern, it's that matched with this quarterback, I think defenses in general are going to game plan for the first two levels of the defense and kind of like come what may down the down the third level, you know. Mm -hmm. And maybe they'll give up a few big plays, but in the meantime, there'll be some weeks maybe where they do contain. Uh, Hopkins and then by kind of by proxy Derrick Henry and actually just to throw a little more a little more pass into the fire as opposed to throwing smash into the fire I had Ross Tucker on my show today and he always comes on every year and we talk offensive lines and nice. I believe the Titans were his worst offensive line for the year Ooh. he has them rated the absolute lowest he does not understand like Ouch. all the good guys who were there like three years ago are all gone he doesn't understand Andre Dillard the flunky the, you know, the first round pick in Philly that Eagles fans hate that never started, you know, after the beginning mm -hmm. there, he's now the starting left tackle in Tennessee. There's kind of a cast of characters that aren't really recognizable in the offensive line. And maybe some of them that are, are we wish we didn't recognize. So that's a little concern too. I mean, I still have Hopkins as a top 20 receiver. I'm not worried about volume again. Like if volume is ever the main reason not to like somebody, I want, I want to buy that somebody because there's plenty of passes, you know, it might not be 50 a week, but if there are 30 a week, that's still plenty for Hopkins. Um, it's just, yeah, I think I'm going to pass it because a lot of things could conceivably go wrong with the, you know, Todd Munkin's going to come in and I guess throw uh, Todd Munkin's Baltimore. Sorry. The new, uh, new offensive coordinator for Tennessee, not Todd Downing anymore. Cause everybody hated Todd Downing, the, the whipping boy. Nobody liked him. Um, and this new, this guy is going to come in and, uh, uh, you know, change what was frustrating about the offense, which is that it was so horizontal mm -hmm. is, can he go downfield with this personnel? That's the big question. I don't know. So we have a question sent in from the Patreon from Furman underscore OG. Now we're talking about wide receiver twos and he starts naming a lot of the vague, you know, wide receiver two positions, the giants, Carolina, Houston, the Rams, uh, Detroit, 
Are there anybody from those teams where you're like, you know what, this is a wide receiver too that I'm willing to to jump in there and pound the drum for? Or do we try to avoid these vague situations and just, you know, play it in a different sense, overall philosophy? Um, you said Giants, Giants Rams. Yep, Carolina, Houston, Carolina, Houston Detroit. Detroit. Um you know, I don't, I think we're, we're never in the business of telling people to not draft people because at the right price, anybody's a good draft pick, you know? So if, right. if we're talking 12th round, I'll take a shot on, on whatever, you know, I'll take a shot. If, if I, if I think, if I hear good things about Isaiah Hodgins, okay, you know, maybe, maybe he's the one, but like, <laughs> uh, you know, he's not going to go there. Um, I'll, you know, I, I, I'm not smashing the idea that I see a, an obvious breakout coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jameson Williams would have been the obvious and he's suspended. Um, maybe that makes sense that if he, if he can get him at the right price going late, maybe he's the one that you are. Okay. I can, I can, I'm going to weather the storm before the bye weeks and, and stash him, stash him, and then just see how it goes. That's the one that I go. Yeah. Th- there's a world where I wake up December 20th and Jameson Williams from, you know, from the midway point of the season is the wide receiver eight. It's possible. Uh, I really kind of don't feel like I see that anywhere else in the rest of those teams. And I think it's dependent on your format. Like I took Jamison Williams and and even Kyler Murray and Scott Fishbowl, you know, because that's one where you're talking about, you want to have those guys late, you know, you want to have those guys where it's a shot in the arm because you're going to get an added wide receiver who's, you know, who has tremendous upside. You get an added quarterback like Kyler Murray, you know, and, and that gives you a shot in the arm there towards the end. Yeah. And I, let's stay on that. I ha- actually want to get your take on the chiefs here, because this is another example. It's, it's kind of a murky situation with the wide receivers, but it could be a late draft pick that you make that has a nice ceiling because I don't know if you heard of this guy, Pat Mahomes, he's pretty <laughs> good, but this, I mean, this is kind of funny. This is what we've been talking about on the show here. You got to, we want to cut through the noise here because the camp highlights have been hilarious. Like I've heard buzz about Rashi Rice, Sky Moore, uh, MVS, not even Justin Ross. Uh, Kadarius Tony had his his moments. Are, do any of these guys for you, Chris, jump out that you would consider investing in kind of late in drafts? The one that I would probably be most likely to invest in is Sky Moore, but it's mm-hmm. not. It's sort of just almost like I'm. It's it's like an Ag- Agatha Christie novel where everybody else is getting shot, you know, <laughs> and then there's one, there's one guy left. It's like okay, cool. I'll pop, pop, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like if if, yeah. if there are really people in the year of our Lord, 2023, who are reading MVS camp hype and going, <laughs> I believe it, MVS for president. Like, I, I don't imagine that's ever going to change. He is what he is. It, it, it just makes yeah. what Mahomes has done that much more ridiculous. Yeah, Travis Kelsey's the, the one. Course, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Travis Kelsey's the one. But you usually don't win Super Bowls with one receiver that you can trust, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, in the actual Super Bowl, Juju played well and like Sky Moore got like their guys stepped mm-hmm. up but over the course of the season. It's crazy that the quarterback essentially grabbed that receiving core by the scruff of the neck and took it to the suit. It's just crazy. That's just how good that yeah. guy is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, it's, so yeah, by the Agatha Christie principle, I have Sky Moore as my pick. <laughs> and it's the opposite of what we were talking about, obviously, with Cincinnati and Philadelphia is, you know, we have multiple yeah. weapons to choose from. And everyone always asks about that KC situation. And it's, you know, if you can get Sky Moore on the cheap, it's worth it. You know, and yeah. you said it already, price dependent. Uh, Chris, you were, we're looking at sophomore breakouts, you know, potentially in there. Um, I, I, we, we love 
Garrett Wilson. We love Chris Olave. You know, Drake London really flashed. The question that we have is guys that are wide receiver twos, you know, second options there between Traylon Burks, George Pickens, and Jahan Dotson. If you had to pick one guy to put a stamp on that has the best chance to really ascend in 2023, who would that be for you? I mean, they're all really close. I guess I'll, even though, you know, again, if you're drafting just based on situation, I think probably Dotson's the one you want least. I don't know. Then again, I'm looking at Pittsburgh and I don't like that situation either. Um, it's probably Dotson. I think he showed that in one year anyway, he was the best player of the three. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, there, there, this is not like a ringing endorsement. I'm just saying that for this year, I probably lean Dotson for, for like the life of their career. I only have last year to go on. And I thought Dotson looked like a really weird, interesting prospect. Like I thought he was Tyler Lockett. I'm like, Oh, this is kind of like Tyler Lockett. He's not the fastest, but he's real fast. He can definitely get behind a defense, but those, those contested jump ball catches that he kept coming down with time and time again, Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like George Pickens doesn't have great hands and make fantastic side. You know, we saw a, a one in training camp already. It broke Twitter yesterday. Um, but, but I also saw Pickens make a lot of mistakes last year. I didn't see mm-hmm. Dotson make that many. So I guess by a whisker, I'm going to say Jahan Dotson, um, you know, Traylon Burks wasn't a two until about two or three weeks ago. He was a one, um, that changes and, everything, right? I took him in Scott Fishbowl too because I was like, all right, if I'm taking Kyler, I'm going to take Tannehill late. I'll get Traylon Burks. You got that stack on there, you know, yeah. but that that's changed his outlook quite a bit. I mean, I think for for Dynasty, learn, who better to learn from than DeAndre Hopkins, you know, and I think ultimately that does help him a little bit. The Pickens thing is interesting because I saw, you know, people are like, well, you know, contested catch rate last year, he led the league at 68%. He also doesn't separate at all. So almost all of them are contested catches. I mean, he's a freak athlete, just doesn't separate. John, I know we got a couple more here and we would definitely want to be, you know, mindful of Chris's time. Let's hit out on one or two more. Yeah. This one I've been saving and I'm going to come back to what I maybe love about your work. The most Chris is you, you, again, you, you are not a consensus guy. You form your own opinions from your own study and that's why I always used your rankings because it was a very, I knew it was going to be a very different informed view than what everyone else is saying. So have you um, within your wide receivers, are there a couple of guys that stick out where you you've clearly concluded you're above consensus, like you're higher on these couple wide receivers than kind of what the masses are saying at this point in the off season. This is going to be such a bad answer. I'm such a maverick. That this time of year, I don't even look at ADP. I have okay, no you idea don't... what consensus is. Yeah, I have no okay. idea. I don't. Uh, I don't look for two more weeks. I. I, I sort of like a. You mm-hmm. know, I'm such a martyr. What a what a guy, right? I'm. I'm that's oh, I respect it me. actually. Oh man, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm. I'm the best. But I make a. You know, I make a big deal of it on, on my show, just saying. Like, <laughs> don't you know? I don't know what the consensus is yet, guys. I don't know where the value is. I don't yeah. talk about that. Right. Uh, for a couple more weeks. So the truth is, I don't know. But let me say. Um, I, I have a feeling I'm going to be higher on Ayuk, who we already talked about, than yep. Lockett, because mm-hmm. I did Ayuk film on the show just a couple of days ago, and you know people like to tease me because they know of my monkish devotion to not looking at ADP, um, and they're like, "I think you're going to wind up with a lot of Brandon Ayuk this year," <laughs> which is always <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it must be above him on consensus. Um, is there anybody else that people have said that about? Uh, I don't know. I mean. Right now, looking at some of them, a few of me have a little bit higher in consensus. I mean, you have Christian Kirk right up there with Calvin Ridley. I love that because everyone right now has them 
huge gap in between because oh, just okay. assume Chris, like Calvin Ridley is just going to return to form immediately because they watched a couple, you know, camp moves in there and, and, and things like that. <laughs> I, I think you're a little bit higher on, uh, you know, Debo as well, but we, we've already talked about him on the, on the, on the podcast as well. So, I mean, looking at, you know, teams that have multiple, multiple wide receivers on the same team, Evans yeah. and, and Chris Godwin, you have very similar in that same, same range. Is Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask going to hurt them far enough that they we push them farther and farther than we ever had? It feels like we already have done that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not mm-hmm. ranking them anywhere near where I ranked them when they had Tom Brady. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a good, you know, the Seahawks situation that we've already talked about in this show is a good lesson just to not overreact. Mm-hmm. Good players often can elevate a quarterback beyond where you the things that he could do. I mean, I, I don't know anything about Kyle, Kyle Trask. He's been around for a while, and I assume that means something. But maybe he's ready to bust out. If it's Baker Mayfield, how could you not argue these are the best two receivers he's ever played with, or at least the mm-hmm. best tandem, right? Clearly it is. Um, I, I, I wouldn't have sat on this show 365 days ago and said, and I'm positive Geno Smith is a top 10 quarterback because those receivers are going to really elevate his game. But I was saying the hate has gone too far on two very good Seattle receivers. And so if people are like, you can't take Evans, you can't take Godwin, these are unwinnable situations. Well, that's when we swoop in for, for redraft. I mean, for Dynasty, it's a completely different argument. You know, they the, the quarterback was going to help. I mean, Mike Evans is, you know, probably at the end of his line and Chris Godwin's got a few more years. The quarterback that's going to help Godwin in Dynasty isn't on that team yet. Like they're going to find someone else. Um, but for redraft, I, there's a chance that the hate goes too far like they did with the Seattle receivers. Great, great point there. Chris, we want to definitely be mindful of your time. I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on here. Um, why don't you tell everybody, you know, where they can find your work if they've been hiding under a rock and, you know, some <laughs> things that you've been going on there. And give me one wide receiver who you're just, you, you can't, leave the draft without like the guy that you're just saying, you know what, 2023, I'm not leaving my draft. And we've, we, I know we've talked about value is value, but that one guy that's just Chris's guy. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I have a person that I'm positive. I'm all, you know, I'm always going to get like, I want Garrett Wilson. I'm a real believer. I think he's, I love Olave. I think he's nice. a really good player. I think Garrett Wilson's like yes. on a totally different level. Um, of yeah. just rut runner physical after the catch. Like I think Garrett Wilson's a superstar waiting to happen. Could be Justin Jefferson at some point. Um, but, hey, but I, you said that, that that's nice. where everybody's asking who's the next Jefferson, who's the next chase. And, you know, someone asked me that the other day, I said, the only guy that I think can get into that tier is when you look at, I mean, CD lamb's fantastic. And we got a couple yeah. guys that are really ascending, but for me in dynasty, Garrett Wilson's that Wilson. only guy that, that has the, you know, the pedigree, the, the athletic profile the physical profile everything to get into that area yeah except for it would be a lie to say that i always get him because he's going in the first two or three rounds of a a, you know Mm -hmm. in a a redraft and and uh i'm not always picking in the spot where i would take him you know so i can't say i always get him but probably that's the first name that comes to mind and yeah people can find me just on twitter is fine just uh at harris football you can find and harrisfootball.com i guess there's ranks and stuff there too and links to podcasts and everything so I got a lot of stuff going on. You can, you can find everything there. John, do you have any final, final questions for Chris? No, I've enjoyed every minute of it here. I want to thank you again, Chris, wish you the best with the, all your work and the upcoming season. And thanks so much for joining the smash except podcast. Thanks again. Oh, great. Two- oh, yeah. I didn't mean to Sorry, cut you off. Great. Sure. Thanks again thanks for tuning much. in guys and enjoy the process.
Chris, that was awesome. Like,